Today, I speak with my friend, Brad Davidson, coach to millionaires, Navy SEALs, SWAT, and pro athletes. And today, Brad is going to blow your mind with the level of tactical ideas he gives you on optimizing your human performance so you can show up and be a better entrepreneur, a better salesperson, a high achiever, and then overall have a great life. He busts the number one myth that everyone thinks about when it comes to performance. He talks about the number one metric you need to actually know that will drive everything in your life for your performance. He talks about how you actually look at each meal so that you don't have meal pressure and cheat meals. We go deep on how to hack sleep and he's the, the very foundation of high performance. And he even drops the magic supplements that pro athletes and Navy SEALs use. I'll tell you, this is a not-to-be-missed episode because Brad has helped me in so many ways uh, over the last many years, and I trust his advice implicitly. You are going to love this extremely tactical episode with my coach, Brad Davidson. One thing is for certain. Just because it's tried and true doesn't mean it's working right now. So the big question is this, where can you learn what is working right now? The strategies, the tactics, the psychology, and the exact how-to. How to grow your business. How to blow up your personal brand and supercharge your personal growth. That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Sharon Srivatsa, and welcome to Business School. So Brad, I want to read something that uh, you always say, which is the if onlys of life. And you say, if only I looked fitter, I'd feel happier. If only I proved myself intellectually, I'd feel valued. If only I made an Olympic team, I'd feel successful. Only, Dude, only you of all people will say something like, <laughs> if only I made an Olympic team, I'll feel successful. And for... For the person that's listening right now, I think that um, the Olympic team story, I know you really well. I want you to maybe take us back to that time where you were crazy enough to jump in an aluminum can and be like, that's what I want to do. I'd love for you to take us back to that bobsled story, yeah. on, on which made you say, if only I made an Olympic team, I'd feel successful. Yeah. Um, I, I'll be honest out the gate. My, my if onlys were driven by insecurity. Right. Like I just, I always had this in my head. Like if I could only get to this next level, I'd be more valued to be more appreciated to be more successful. It got all the way to the point where I'm 32, 33. And the, if only was, you know what I need to feel super valuable that where people actually want to work with me is I'm going to make an Olympic team at this age. And that for some reason is the thing that will make me valuable to people. Um, so I pursued it. Um, I jumped uh, at the time. I remember this, I was 165 pounds. I jumped on the internet. I started like, Googling all the different Olympic teams that are out there. Um, and I came across bobsled. I came across bobsled and I came across skeleton. And I thought, skeleton, that's psycho crazy. Head first down, down the ice. No way. Uh, bobsled. Uh, I, I'll, I'll take so you got to be explosive, strong. I was 20 pounds underweight for the minimal weight category. I'm like, okay, I know how to put weight on. Like, this is perfect. I'm going to reach out to this coach. I'm going to talk my way into a tryout. I'm going to make this team. I'm going to go all the way to the Olympics to show how good my nutrition and training is. Um, and then, and then, I will have made it and people will hire me and I'm able to work with the best of the best. And, and that's what in my head what I was going to take. So 
I went through the whole process. I called the coach, convinced him to give me a tryout. I show up. I'm the old guy by about 10 years. I make the team. I, and I'll be honest, I'm a super scrub on the team. I'm good enough to be there. I'm like the brake man that can handle the, the new up-and-coming drivers, um, which are the ones that crash all the time, <laughs> right? But uh, they need a brake man to help them learn the process. So I'm on the team. It's awesome. Over a 10-month period of time, I put on 52 pounds of lean muscle mass. My vertical jump goes up 10 inches. I'm running a 4-4-40. So imagine this. I'm, I'm in my early 30s. I am uh, 5-9-2-15. I have a 42-inch vertical jump, and I ran a 4-4-40. Like those are, I would be like Insane. top 1% at the NFL Combine um, yeah. uh, every year. Like it, it was incredible. Um, on the outside, I had the physical image. I remember I had to get a photo shoot done. They wanted to do a spray tan on me. And the girl turns around. She's like, oh, my God your body looks like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle body. <laughs> so like, I mean, I was, I was super jacked that I was really lean. I had like an eight pack. It wasn't even a six pack. I had like an eight pack. It was incredible. Um, and I thought that I was doing this great stuff, right? I was training twice a day, six days a week. Cause I really bought off what my Anderson says, like the more you train, the healthier you are, the more fit you are, the healthier you are. So I'm thinking I'm super fit. Um, and number two, I was eating perfect. Like I caught on real quick when I'm working with these younger kids. Like if I could just out-discipline them, yeah. I'm going to beat them. Yeah. And so that was my mentality. So I ate perfect. Back then it was the paleo diet. I avoided carbs like the plague. And I mean, if you pay attention to my industry, they still tell you carbs are bad for you. So I was doing all these things perfectly. And on the outside, it looked like it. From a physical output standpoint, it looked like it. Um, there were signs and symptoms I was dealing with that I was ignoring because I kind of started getting addicted to how I looked and the attention I was getting for how I looked. I'll be super honest with you. Um, I remember I always had a cup of coffee in my hand. I remember I had to drink Red Bulls between workouts. Uh, I couldn't sleep. Um, I was battling crazy cravings. I was probably the biggest a-hole in the face of the earth to be around because I was super grumpy and irritable. Um, but none of that stuff mattered. I just thought that was part of the process of sucking it up and willing my way through it. And, and that's what you have to do to be successful is just grind through it, right? The grit and the grind. We think it's all about the grit and the grind. And yeah. I committed that 100%. And everything was going really well until one morning I woke up to a baby girl. And, and then I recognized, oh, I'm in a, an aluminum can going 90 miles an hour on ice. I'm wearing a Kevlar vest, a bulletproof vest. Because when you crash, it prevents the clothes from melting into your skin. So it's, it's less surgery. Um, and I'm not even being paid to be there. <laughs> right? uh, I'm like, this is stupid. Like, no, there's nothing in it for this little girl. So I pulled the plug on it. But I thought to myself, you know, what a great dad I am. Like, no dad bought here. I'm super fit. I'm super healthy. I've done everything I'm supposed to do. Like, I'm going to be a great dad. And that lasted about a week and a half. And then one morning, I just couldn't get out of bed anymore. Like, it just, my whole body shut down. My hair started falling out of my face. I, I wanted to hide from the world. I had no drive, no sex drive. Like, a whole, my whole world just shut down. Um, and I remember kind of being begged to go to the doctor. And I just thought I was, oh, no, I'll, just, I'll get past this. I'm the, I'm the fitness guy. At that point, I thought maybe I knew more of the doctors. It was stupid. Um, but then I, got, I just got to the point where I couldn't function anymore. And I finally, like, I literally just lay in a dark room. <laughs> Wow. And I finally went to the doctor and I just, I went to him because my hair was falling out of my face. Yeah. I'm like, I can't, I can't explain this. That's really bad. I just big patches of hair just had fallen out of my face. Um, so I was like, okay, I'll run some labs. I don't really know what that is. And he calls me a couple days later. And you know, I'm very, I'm very good friends with a lot of doctors in the area. Yeah. And, and this is a friend of mine. He, he calls me. The first thing he says is, uh, man, you totally lied to me. I'm like, what are you talking about? I didn't lie to you. Like the hair is falling out of my face. He's like, yeah, that's the least of my concerns. You feel horrible, don't you? I'm like, no, yeah, I mean, I'm a little tired. And he goes, no, you feel horrible. I'm like, Doc, I get it. I feel horrible. What are you saying? He's like, well, I'm going to tell you this. I'm shocked. Like, you are one of the sickest people I've seen in a long time. I do not understand how you look the way you look. 
Like, I'm almost wondering if I have the wrong labs. Wow. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, first things first, um, you tell me you eat perfect. You've done the paleo that you avoided carbs. He's like, I don't believe because you're a type two diabetic. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, your blood sugar and A1C levels are so high. Like you should be on metformin and you got to change this. Or I'm going to eventually have to put an insulin. All of a sudden I'm like, Jesus, like, I swear to God, I haven't touched a carb in like 11 months. Like yeah. what is wrong? And he said that my thyroid was completely shut down. I was an extreme hypothyroidism. I'm like, I got an eight pack. Like this isn't <laughs> hypothyroidism. Like what are you talking about? Like I'm supposed to be overweight and all that stuff to have this, you know, this, this diabetes thing and this hypothyroidism thing. He goes, yeah, well then the kicker is you're an andropause. I was like, what the hell is that? It's, well, it's male menopause, Brad. You're, you're in male menopause at 33 looking like this. Like your metabolism and hormonal system is just completely shut down. He's like, this usually happens when you're like late 60s, early 70s as a man. He's like, I, I don't understand what, what's happened here. You just must have bad genetics. Wow. <laughs> so uh, I walk out of his office. I have my blood sugar meds, my thyroid meds, my testosterone injections. because My system is just shut down. And here's the kicker. I was like, I came before my face and you've given me no drugs for that. What do I take to keep my hair from falling out? He said, well, that's interesting. This is the first clue I said, that's interesting. That's an autoimmune disease from too much stress. I said, doc, I handle stress really well. Like I thrive on stress. Right. That's what I thought then. I'm like, the more stress, I, I can just handle a lot of stress. Like obviously I could train like that. I mean, it was 2008, 2009. I was running a business that bad economy. I'm training at an international level. I got a child coming. I didn't need sleep. I prided myself. I don't need sleep. Like that's, that's for wusses. Um, I was doing all the things we tell you, grit and grind. And uh, he's like, yeah, the only answer to that is just to stress less. <laughs> and, I, and that's what I walked away with, all my drugs and this prescription to stress less. And I honestly had no idea what that meant. I always kind of put stress in a box in the corner. Like yeah. I knew it was bad, but like you just, you just work through. Like if stress is getting you, you're kind of weak. Like just suck it up. That's yeah. kind of my mentality. Um, yeah, it didn't work out very well for me. So it took me about six years to kind of figure out what I had done. And at that point, I realized it was all self-inflicted. I did it to myself. It was how I was choosing to train and how I was choosing to eat. For example, I, I came off my blood sugar meds. I talked to Rob Wolf, the paleo diet guy. Yeah. And he's like, oh, man, I didn't write this diet for people like you. He's like, I wrote it for sick people that are on the couch that hate exercise. Like, you feed those people carbs. They don't have much stress. You'll kill them. But you're the complete opposite of that. Like, you're training at a high level. You're in a ton of stress. If you don't learn how to control the stress hormone, you're going to end up with the same blood chemistry as that person over there eating carbs. So, so how you win this game is you eat a lot of carbs. You know, what's fascinating is it's easy for someone listening right now to say, well, here's Brad, Mr. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle has an eight pack is doing this. He's got, he's got everything. Well, I'm not like that. Right. Yeah. But, but uh, I am like that. You, you yeah. know, you know, like you, you literally, you and a couple of doctors, you kept me alive. And, and people don't know that where um, I was the kind of guy that said, well, um, I can out grind, out hustle everybody. Like, there's like, I'm unbeatable because, not because I'm smarter, not because I'm sharper. It's because I can outwork everybody. And it was to the point where I remember that I would, that I would drive, I would leave home at 4.20 in the morning to be in the gym before the gym opened to train with to train with you or your partners at four fifty five, and then you are like, dude. Six months later, you're like, your labs are worse. You're more stressed. Like literally, you've worked harder to to be worse. And yeah. I I remember the advice you gave me. You're like, you said to me, hey, just no more. Like, go sleep. 
No more 5 a.m.s. No more 5 a.m. workouts. I, I, you're done with this. And I said, no, like this, this is the way of the warrior. This is the way of the world. Like <laughs> I need, I, I, I don't have a six pack, but I need to wake up and work out because the world says that you have to swallow the frog first. You have to yeah. do the hardest thing first. And, and then you said, well, how much are you sleeping? And I was like, well, who cares? Like I'm here at 450, aren't I? Like, isn't my commitment being being questioned here? And this is fascinating because now it's like, okay, well, if the answer is not if the answer is not working out harder, if the answer is not, like you said, keto or paleo, and it's it's the our, our bodies are breaking down as entrepreneurs, as high achievers, our bodies are breaking down, whether you're a uh, whether you're, you know, whether you're built like you or built like me, our bodies are still breaking down. So there has to be a correlation somewhere. Yeah. So if it's not the nutrition and if it's not the exercise, there seems to be, there's probably another answer. So what's that answer? Yeah. You know, it's funny you brought up the way of the warrior. Uh, that's why I went and studied. I'm like, how can these men and women on special forces and SWAT teams and like, you know, kind of what we like uh, are trying to build ourselves around, right? Like there's all these programs around trying to Navy SEAL and yeah. So, you know, over a course of the last 10 years, I got to work on a lot of them. Yeah. And what I discovered is there's a, gen- a genetic component to these people that make them different. Um, they are not affected by stress like the majority of us are. They actually walk around with low dopamine levels in their brain. It takes a large amount of stress for their dopamine levels to hit optimal, normal. So like when you know what hits the fan, these people's brains kind of turn on and become normal and they handle it really well. Yeah. Where majority of us, we walk around with our dopamine levels normal, we handle life really well, and then you know what hits the fan and dopamine spills over and we start freaking out. And so stress optimizes the warrior, stress destroys the non-warrior. So what I've learned is that the genetic capacity of these men and women that have that ability is they are incredible at recovery and fatigue management. So I've learned we believe it's about grit and the grind, but what I've discovered it's really about is rest, recovery, and managing fatigue. If you work on so, recovery yeah. and you manage fatigue, you will win. Warriors genetically do it. We, we have to work at it. Yeah. The one thing, you, I, I want something really tactical for folks where you told me, hey, Sharon, go home. No more early morning workouts. And you said, go get this device and I need you to do this for 30 days. And, I, I, and I'm going to like monitor these numbers. And I was like, now you're going to make me put something to my pinky like i i don't want to do this and you said hey right before you wake up right when you wake up in the morning i need you to i need these readings and then you told me you're like hey do you i had no idea i learned a lot about myself through that exercise yeah. so i'd love for you to be uh one talk about hrv a little bit i don't know if you still believe that being a foundational for learning but two if someone wanted to get some some kind of guidance around how to read something like that to figure out where they're at. What's what, yeah. are, what are some thoughts on that? I, I love HRV more now than I even did way back then when I first had you do it. That's where I began. That's one of the tools I've been able to use to see the difference between a warrior and a non-warrior is these warriors genetically have a very high heart rate variability. Uh, the higher your heart rate variability is, the more resilient you are to stress, the larger your capacity, the actually the more you're built to handle high levels of stress. So, for example, the typical um, special forces person I work on, SWAT person I work on, they'll sit somewhere between 80 and 100 all the time. When I typically start with a, an executive or a, a person that's under a lot of stress, uh, they'll typically sit between 50 and 60, sometimes as low as like 40, like 40 to 60. 
So that's just kind of the difference we can see as to, um, okay, the higher the HRV is, the more I know that person handles stress well, the better they are at recovering. Like that person that can get on a plane and sleep, they can sleep in the middle of war. <laughs> they can be out on the battlefield and take a nap. Like I get in an argument with someone, I'm not sleeping that night. Like I'm yeah. thinking about all the things I, sh- I should have said this and I should have done this. And there are people dying around them and they're falling asleep on the battlefield. It's incredible. Those are some of the differences. Um, so you want to look at total HRV and, and the idea with HRV is to drive the score as high as you can. So everything that I work on now is applying tools that will drive heart rate variability up over time. We want to get those numbers typically above 80 with everybody we work with. That's at a very high level. I've, had, I've even had one Navy SEAL that was 102. I thought 100 was the wow. highest, but he was like over 102. So it's like, wow. Um, and, and so example, things like drinking more water drives up HRV, vegetable intake drives up HRV, um, organic foods, um, grass-fed free-range meats drive up HRV. Uh, certain types of training I've really gotten into and I'm studying a lot of this thing called Katsu. And why I got into it, it's blood flow restriction training. It's a high-end tool that's really being used by like, the wounded warriors and things like that. And, and I spent a lot of time studying under a high-level ex-Navy SEAL using it is because what they're finding is these, this Katsu tool allows, it drives HRV up better than most training. Um, so everything I'm working on now and doing now is to help people drive that HRV score up. Cause the better I can help someone be resilient to stress, the more I can drive their recovery and their fatigue management, the higher I get that HRV, the better they're going to perform. Cause it's correlated right to the brain. So the higher your HRV, the more optimal your brain is. They're super correlated. Brain yeah. waves and heart rates are the same thing. Uh, so I get the, if I get your brain waves up, I get your performance up. I get your body looking better because the things that make the body look better healthy wise, uh, are driving HRV, sleep is driving HRV. It's just amazing. That's so why is, I know yeah, yeah. rest and fatigue management are critical because training, lack of sleep, pushing too hard, cutting out food, all those things drive HRV down over time. So how does someone right now um, kind of measure their HRV on an ongoing basis? What is the first step that someone who is kind of newer have heard this before, what is the first step they take into saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to start to monitor this on a yeah. ongoing basis? What is the first step they should do? Where can they get it? Is there a device? How does that work? Yeah. The, the one that I like to start people off with, uh, when I travel and speak to groups of CEOs, this one I always recommend is called elite HRV. It's a free app. E L I T E H R V. All you need is one of the, like the, uh, the chest straps, the cardiovascular chest straps for heart rate monitoring. It has Bluetooth. An example would be like Polar H7. So it's a free app, but you do need the Bluetooth chest strap to connect to it. And all you do is you wake up in the morning before you get out of bed, put the chest strap on, turn on the app, hit go. Two and a half minutes later, you get a score. And why I like Elite HRV is because it's very easy to read. It's a, it's a score of one to 10 and it's green, yellow, or red. <laughs> Simply means green means go. It means you're in a great place. You're in a lot of stress today. Go for it. Yellow means caution back off a little bit. And then red means, oh my God, don't go to the gym. Focus on your rest that day. Take a nap. Go for a walk. So what I tell people is green are your days to train hard. Yellow are your days to do more like aerobic capacity or like lower intensity level work. And reds are your day to go walk. Yeah, yeah. So what's happening is people are never blowing themselves out. We always use exercise to get better. But Sharon, I'm seeing multiple studies now showing that one in 15,000 people a year die working out in the gym. If you do it five days a week or more, it drops to one in 13,000. Repeatable yeah. studies are showing this. Um, so like exercise is a killer. Yet we think the more stress I put on myself with exercise, the better I am. Yeah. 
So what this tool does, it eliminates, especially driven people. We think four o'clock in the morning is better to get the workout into the sleep in the extra hour. <laughs> like I, I, I've yet to see that work on HRV for anybody. Yeah. The, the one thing that I love about what you're saying is, um, and to share a lot of vulnerability, you helped me through this. Over the years, I figured out that I have late onset type 1 diabetes and my doctor has been telling me, hey, you need to live your life by the sensor. And I never knew what that meant. And so there are two numbers that I live my life by right now. So I wake up and I look at my HRV number and then I manage my glucose number. Literally, if it doesn't, if it's not benefiting my HRV number or benefiting my glucose number, like I just, I'm not, I'm not connected to that because what I've realized, Brad, is that uh, we, we try to check the box a lot of times on the things that we should or should not do, the things that we should or should not eat, the things. So it's all about, well, my cheat day, my this day. But when it, when it comes to the fact of saying, hey, I'm going to do something that has a result on a certain number or a certain metric that I can evaluate right away. And hey, if that number yeah. is good, I can do more. If the number is bad, I can, I can influence it right away. I, yeah. And just having that has given me, like, I actually feel free. Yeah. Because I, can, I know that a, a choice that I made has an impact on something that I'm tracking. You don't have to feel guilty about it. Like, we've been so led to believe we are lazy, to need rest, to need downtime, to sleep in an extra hour in the mornings. All of a sudden it says, no, that's really good for you. Like yeah. there's no more guilt involved. This is no longer a suck it up and grind. This is like, no, you can't afford to do that because that messes up your brain. And we're all, we're built, we're built on the mental workforce scenarios now, which is the brain is a lot more rest than the body. We're still running business and making people work like the, the, the physical labor force, but we're the mental labor force. Like, well, like research is real clear for every like 90 minutes of focused work. You need like a 15 or 20 minute break for your brain to come into play. And in about five hours of focused work, you're tapped. Like you're done. You're getting nothing done. <laughs> but I present, that, I present that information all the time to CEOs. There's a great book called The Five-Hour Workday. Um, and it's this guy's whole implementation of this. And he's one of the top-growing um, stand-up paddleboard companies in the world, one of the first Shark Tank companies. They're killing it. But they work five hours a day and they go home. All of them. All of them. So they had yeah. to like very strategic and automate and things like that. But the, the, the success of his company is incredible. The happiness, the health of all his employees is absolutely incredible. It's because they're paying attention to recovery and fatigue management versus the grit and the grind. Yeah. But Brett, a lot of times um, you told me this and I spent, um, I basically said, all right, so if I can focus on my morning, the rest of my day will be okay. Yeah. And, uh, and then, so I focus on the morning, I wake up early uh, and push myself through the day and then I get tired at like two o'clock in the afternoon and then I have some kind of you know some some kind of stimulant you know whatever it may be and I've given up the Red Bull and all that but I now I do a green tea or a little exercise or whatever and then I try to get a second wind and then I push myself through the night and you said hey Sean just start to focus on your evening first as opposed to focusing on your morning and a lot of the a lot of the hacks that you kind of shared on how to get good sleep, right? Yeah. Which I thought was uh, just, just small things were super helpful. I'd love for you to maybe share a few things on uh, what people can do right now, which small hacks can help them sleep yeah. better so that they're better in the morning. So if you were to talk to a high achiever, an entrepreneur, a CEO and say, hey, um, how do I design my evening so that I can be better the next day? Yeah, love it. Uh, I want to start off with, um, I, want you, I want people to think of, 
asleep as fueling the fire. That's what sleep is. It fuels the fire. And there was a book I read about six months ago called Why We Sleep. And what I've discovered is that sleep is the only proven thing in research to show you sleep eight hours a night. You look better, you feel better, you perform better, you're more likely to live a long, healthy life. You cheat it, you're going you're gonna to affect one or all of those. Wow. And he's even proven that all societies, so all of history, before being introduced to electricity, we slept the same way. Eight hours at night, I took a 30 to 60 minute nap in the afternoons. We get tired in the afternoons for a reason, right? <laughs> and as soon as we're introduced to electricity, we begin to choose how we sleep. Even this day, if you look at societies that haven't been introduced to electricity, they sleep like that. Eight hours a night, 30 to 60 minute nap in the afternoons. So we are actually wired. If you want to be super healthy, if, like you're, if, if research is what drives you to look good, feel good, perform good, all those things, you're going to sleep eight hours a night and take a short nap in the afternoon. If you choose to not do those things and you want to talk to me about science and nutrition and science of exercise, I'm going to tell you, you don't care about science because the yeah. only thing it's clear about is sleep. 17 plus thousand studies have shown that you sleep better. Everything gets better. You sleep less. Everything gets worse. Yeah. So I'll start with that. Like I think sleep is the most critical component. Remember it's about recovery and fatigue management. Sleep fuels the fire. So simple things. I like people to unplug from their days. Even if it's just 30 minutes before bed, I prefer like 60, but you got to calm the brain down. So I call it a simple 12 minute brain calming activity. It's a 60 second brain dump, right? Then the three most important things you have to do the next day, a 60 second gratitude dump. What are like, you know, three to five things you're grateful for shift the subconscious from focus on the bad, to all the good. And a lot of times you can just stop there. That's enough to calm your brain down. Yeah. But then I'll, have, I'll have some people just do a simple 10 minute meditation to really calm it down. So if you're somebody whose brain's going, 60 second brain dump, 60 seconds of gratitude, 10 minutes of meditation will slow that thing down. It's beautiful. Yeah. Another thing that's very critical is you got to make sure your room is a bat cave, super dark and nice and cold. If you have children, same thing. Cause one of the things that wakes up adults is their kids. If your kids fall asleep to nightlight, that's fine, but pull it, make sure they have blackout shades, make sure the room's pitch black. They won't wake up. You'll get much better quality of sleep by doing that than having lights on in your room or any type of light from the outside or even the button of your TV, like I unplug, I have a, I have a TV in my room. I know it's not the greatest way to, to live healthy wise, <laughs> but sometimes my kids like to watch TV while we're laying in bed and I'm okay with that, but unplug that sucker. So the lights are off in your room. Like I have blackout curtains, um, blackout mats on the windows, bla uh, eye shade, like black. Yeah. And sleep quality is way better. So that's really important. And if you have a hard time falling asleep, I'm a big fan of magnesium. I am right now playing with a product called MagnaGel from Designs for Health. It's put about a dime size, rubbing it behind your knees. I love it, absorbs into the skin and gets to you quickly. And so I've been using that a lot in my programs now and getting a lot of benefit for people from that. Uh, so that's you have a hard time falling asleep. If you wake up, I find it to be a couple of things. Uh, number one, if you're waking up between one and three in the morning, it tends to be from your liver. So something simply like melt thistle before bed can really help with that. Uh, another window of time is three to five in the morning. Um, simply doing two to four ounces of tart cherry juice would be great for that. Wow. Since I have little kids, yeah, I have, uh, they got monsters under the bed and they're scared yeah, and all of that. Sure. Uh, but I'll tell you, Brad, the one thing on your advice, the one thing that I, um, invested in was a eye shade. And I actually went, yeah. um, I actually went kind of Cadillac on it. I, I think I spent a total of like $14 and got like a satin <laughs> eye, eye shade. And I got one for myself. I got one for my eight-year-old son. And now I, you know, th there's, there's lights in the house that I just, 
I can't get out of it. I have it, it's there because of my children, but I put my eye shade on and that uh, way better because of it. And I've also realized that I bought a couple more and I left it in my backpack. I left it in my travel suitcase. Now I have the same eye shade uh, of the model, if you will, that I have everywhere I go. So I, I almost yeah. feels like a familiarity of me being home and it's been, it's been super helpful. Um, let me ask you like a little woo-woo question. Uh, a, lot of, you know, a lot of times <laughs> people talk about this, um, you know, the, the, when you drift off to sleep, they're talking about this sub, kind of sub-programming the subconscious. Like, you know, if I put on a meditation and of affirmations or Joe Dispenza where I can, the little theta state or whatever they call it when I'm transitioning into sleep, right when I'm going to sleep and I'm waking up in the morning, do you have any any thoughts or research around, should I be listening to anything towards the end of the day or when I'm waking up? Or have you, is there anything conclusive about that? So I, I'm not um, very educated on that, um, but I do love uh, Joe Dispenza. I've been paying attention a lot to that um, and adding it in. I, I don't know yet, but um, I believe subconsciously there is. I just, I'm not 100% sure. I'm not smart enough on it to be able to talk about it, but I am playing with it. Yeah. Um, I'm totally playing with it. So, so, and this is, this could be, it's controversial in some states. What are your thoughts around um, CBD and things like that to help kind of support sleep or say, Hey, I haven't slept in a while. Do I, do I take something to, you know, kind of catch me up? Yeah. Uh, I take it every night. Um, <laughs> uh, what, it, what I love about it is that it brings the stress response down. So why it works, it's not so much that it's making you sleep. It brings the stress response down. It calms the brain down. And so it shuts off that fight or flight response, allows you to fall asleep. It also brings down inflammation. And both those things can disrupt sleep. So it's really good. I have one that I really like um, by Dr. Winnie Monaco. It's called her Calm, C-A-L-M. It's really good. It's super high quality. Um, she's one of the most educated people I've, I've talked to about this. This is one I take. The other thing I like about it is that you can take it during the day as well um, because it doesn't actually make you tired. It just calms your brain down. So a lot of times I'll do it before I get on stage and present to calm my brain down, to get my brain in a good place. So you can do it multiple times a day. And they, they, the only thing I found that could be negative with it is if you take too much, it might give you loose stools with some people. Ah, uh, gotcha. That's the only negative response I've seen on it. But I like it calms the fight or flight response down without making your brain tired so you can function well. And it brings down inflammation, which can disrupt sleep as well. So it's an awesome tool to bring stress down and inflammation down before bed. Yeah. You've told me before about, um, you know, kind of having a ritual at night. And I started to do, I started to stretch because I'm just, you know, I think we all sit all day. I, I sit a lot of the day. So my, my hips and my glutes all get sore. So I was stretching for a little bit and then I started to do the foam roller and yeah. then, um, and, and, and it's so painful, Brad, like it's so, <laughs> it's so painful. Um, but yeah. I, I recently, I recently got the, the, my kind of the, the hypervolt massage gun. Oh, and, I love that thing. and so what are your thoughts on, uh, either stretching or, you know, kind of like, uh, rolling massage gun, et cetera. Do you think that's a morning, uh, activity, evening activity? people should do it people shouldn't do it how do you recommend around that i i, I like to do um like the hypervolt gun those types of things i like to do those uh early in the day before exercise uh, like the foam rolling the hypervolt stuff before you exercise i like that early and then i like to do the stretching calming yoga that kind of stuff at night to make you lazy and lethargic it's really nice got it got it yeah 
I, I find that whenever I stretch at night, it almost forces me to put my phone away. It almost forces me to say, okay, this is a part of my ritual. It almost forces me to take a little time because it's, it's actually one of those times when you're stretching. It's, it's, it's weird to be on a device because you're anything else that you do from sitting on the throne to like hanging out in the car to (laughs) being in bed, like you are every, your device is so accessible. Right. But uh, I've noticed that unless you are in the shower or in the pool or, or like doing something, exercising, like you, you need your, your hands are not free. And only then do you actually forcefully disconnect from it. So I almost like stretching has been super uh, helpful for me and I, I should do more of it, but uh, doing that is allows me to sleep way better. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's a very calming, we call it a yin based activity. It's like the long stretch. It's like you're holding it for longer periods of time, not dynamic warm ups, things like that. But the long stretching calms everything down. It's yeah. a, it's a great way to make you lazy and lethargic. I, I, between you and I, I'll do it with my professional athletes that are, they're young, they're wealthy. They come to orange County to, to live for the off season, to train and everything. So I will do things in the evening times or have them do things in the evening times to make them lazy and lethargic. So they don't go out, you know, chasing girls and being idiots. Um, and that's one of the things is like, I'll, sometimes I'll even, I'll even hire like a, a really nice, effective yoga instructor to go meet them yeah. at the house as a group. And just, they think they're doing yoga, but what they're doing is like a yin based yoga, which is just long, slow stretches, makes them super lazy. So I'll typically schedule that like on a Thursday night or a Friday night to wipe out one night of them going out. Because by the time they're done, they just want to lay around and be lazy and go to bed. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one uh, thing that I have noticed a lot of my friends are doing, sometimes I do it too, is these melatonin gummies. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, melatonin overall is is interesting. When I sh- told you about it the first time, you said, hey, Sharon, before melatonin, I would do this, the magnesium gel. And so I started using the creams on the back of my ears, back of my knees. And it's it's so strange that like, I fall, I fell asleep so fast with the, with the magnesium. I never thought that possible at all, but um, melatonin gummies, uh, is that a, is that real? Does it work? Is some people tell, tell me that they get kind of nightmares from it. What are your, what's your experience? (laughs) So, so melatonin is interesting. It's very good. Um, but it, it works best at its least effective dose. So, um, and it was, what's interesting is if you take one milligram over your effective dose, it'll have the exact opposite response on you. So, for example, uh, my sweet spot is three milligrams. At three milligrams, I sleep like a champ. But the, the first time I took it, I took one milligram. It didn't work at all. So, like a typical American, I thought, well, if one's no good, I'm going to do 10. And this is going <laughs> to knock me out. And uh, so I took 10 milligrams, and it was like speed. I was up all night shaking. I, I, I took myself to the ER because I thought something was really wrong. And that was the day I learned, like, uh, hey, knucklehead, like, it works best with its least effective dose. So you got to start at one milligram, then go to two, then go to three. And until you get to that point where all of a sudden it has the, the reverse effect and you go back one milligram. Uh, so, so that's, so that, that, I guess that's the, we're probably bio-individual on figuring out our least effective dose. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So you always you want to start with one milligram, then go to two, then go to three. That's the way you want to do it. Uh, so the people that are having nightmares and things like that are probably taking a little too much of it. Oh my goodness, that's but, so crazy. Yeah, but but like I'm gonna be super honest at how I like to use um mel- I don't like to use it every night. What I like to do is use it with my people that travel a lot as a way to help them adjust to new time zones quickly. So I'll have them do melatonin the first three nights at a new city or new lo- new time zone. 
to help them acclimate to the new time zone quicker than normal. Got but it. if people are taking it every night, they now go to the new time zone and it won't have the effect on them. Yeah. Yeah. So I would rather, I mean like the ultimate way to do it is magnesium every night. And then when you travel melatonin, the first three nights and resveratrol the first three mornings and your system will kick in and avoid jet lag much better than if you don't. Oh, wow. That's a, that's an awesome hack. Um, yeah. You, you've told me that you've, um, you talked about pro athletes. I thought this is super interesting. I've actually been with you while training these guys. And it's yeah. funny, like the, uh, I remember when you said to me, you know, with our, with our friend who was a, was an awesome linebacker. You said to me, Hey, Sharon's like peak of Sharon's workout is this guy's warm up, And he's, <laughs> and, and I'm like, literally you're doing the prowler as a warm up. Like that was my biggest workout for the day. But, but I asked you like, how was he able to train five consecutive days sometimes? And you, yeah. you led me on to saying, Hey, very strategically, if we do uh, kind of these banana bags or IV therapy, you do it yeah. in a smart way, it allows them to recover better, allows them to train harder. Yeah. Um, question for you on just uh, just on the on the everyday entrepreneur, uh, you know, people are weirded out by sticking a needle in their arm and having, you know, uh, sure. getting and getting, you know, getting a banana bag because they think that, hey, this is, I only get this when I'm hungover in Vegas. Uh, <laughs> but that itself should mean something to us because yeah. if it works there, it should work other places. So um, yeah. I, I remember when I was struggling, you were like, hey, for the next three weeks, like I just need to get you back. And IV therapy is probably really good for you right now. Um, yeah. What is your kind of philosophy on IV therapy, especially, you know, especially like with a little magnesium shot in it, et cetera? How do you kind of yeah. recommend people think through that? I, I love IV therapy. Um, it, it's just a high dose of vitamins and minerals, you know, quickly into the bloodstream. Because a lot of times it's mineral deficiencies that are causing issues. So if someone's very magnesium deficient, which we are, especially if you're somebody that doesn't sleep well, is under a lot of stress, you exercise a lot, I, I, I'm going to guarantee you're magnesium deficient. So one of the fastest ways to get that in your system is via IV. So I like, like just like a simple Myers cocktail, which has like the, the magnesium, the vitamin C, sorry, the vitamin C, the magnesium. I can't remember what else is in it, but just getting a push of that once a week will keep your magnesium levels in a good place. And magnesium is the middle, it's the off switch for the whole body. So most of us get stuck in a sympathetic, stressed out state. It's just a way to keep that under control. Um, I love using vitamin C bags with people because that's been proven to drive recovery. Vitamin C can help regulate cortisol and testosterone levels, which helps you drive recovery. But a lot of people you know, can't handle taking it via mouth. You know, they'll get to 8,000 or 10,000 milligrams and all of a sudden they get the nauseous feeling, the runs. Right. Yeah. With an IV bag, we bypass the gut and now we're going to get like, you know, 20,000 milligrams plus in there, bypassing the gut, really helping you know, to, to boost the immune system, to, to drive recovery, um, all that stuff. So they're very powerful. I'm a big fan of also doing glutathione pushes, which help clean yeah. up the brain. So really, it's one of my favorites is a, is a glutathione push to clean up the brain. Um, those are phenomenal. And it's really hard to get glutathione orally to be able to absorb it is how it works. And then there's lots of... Um, there's lots of IV kind of lounges now, like, you know, there's the hydration room. Yeah. You know, there's lots of like, lots of um, naturopathic doctors are now have IV therapies they use. It's, it's, it's really a powerful tool. Yeah. Would you, I remember, you know, I, when I was going into a stressful time, you told, you were, you recommended the glutathione, which I was like, I don't yeah. feel anything. And you're like, you don't have to feel anything. Like it'll make you feel better. <laughs> yeah. Um, but sure. I, but on the, 
on the travel, I never thought that the, you know, the doctor introduced me, he said, Hey, you almost need like a, you almost need like a little armor before you get on the plane these days. Yes. Yeah. And, and so I, I was starting to do a lot more of the, the, you know, uh, vitamin C banana bags before I got on travel. And I just felt, I, even if yeah. it was a, even if it was a placebo effect, I still felt like I had one layer before the germ hit me, which I thought was pretty yeah. powerful. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's, there's a lot of correlation between like things like vitamin C, vitamin D, uh, you know, they're very good at boosting the immune system and protecting us. Like, why wouldn't you want to do that stuff? So uh, the, the, the other, the other question I have is, um, so when, um, if I'm, if I'm not sleeping well, do you have any recommendations on, is it worth getting a sleep study? What are your thoughts around going to a sleep doctor? How, how do you, how important is that? Yeah, I think that I think that's a, always a good thing to rule out because if someone is having sleep apnea, it just the, all the tools and tricks you use, it doesn't matter. They're not going to get great sleep. So um, if somebody's really struggling with sleep, or they're snoring really bad, or someone's complaining about them not breathing throughout the night, um, I would go get the sleep study done to be safe, right? Because then, because I mean, because I'll be honest with you, like I've seen a lot of correlation between sleep apnea and low magnesium levels and food sensitivities, but you got to get people on the um, CPAP to get them sleeping well. And then start integrating all these other things to really drive sleep improvement. Yeah. So I, I put the I put the velvet rope around sleep. Like that's the thing we figure out and dial in first more than anything. I remember um, uh, the reason I'm focusing on kind of the, the the PM activities is because that was probably I probably spent a year working on that, and yeah. it's not a it's not a immediate thing. But the one thing that you said to me that I just I literally laughed in your face when you told me was. Um, when you said, Hey, have carbs at dinner. And <laughs> Everybody I was like, I was like, that one. I was like, there's, that makes no, like that makes no sense. Cause I would just do, I, cause I was like, Hey, I would just do a salad and like a protein or whatever at dinner. I right. like stay deathly away from the carbs at dinner. Yeah. But now I've kind of changed that a lot based on what you had shared and how it's really changed how I work on sleep. How did you kind of figure that out? And what do you recommend from a carbs at dinner perspective? Yeah. So, so originally it was, it was Rob Wolf telling me that, um, by me avoiding carbs, what was driving my health issues and to beat it, I should eat carbs because what carbs do is they bring the stress response down. Um, uh, so that was interesting. So I started studying cause I always tell you, you eat carbs at night. You're just going to get fat. I, like, I mean, all we care about is that's going to make you fat. And that's going to make you skinny. Like that's all we teach, <laughs> but it's like fitness, nutrition. It drives your energy, your performance. Like, it, it gives you everything. Not just a five-pound weight loss or a five-pound weight gain. Oh, that's good. That's bad. Um, it, it, so I started looking at that. I started playing with the carb intake. And more and more people talk about this. And I found it early on. I got lucky. I found it early on. I was like, oh, they call it carb backloading. That if you just wait and eat your carbs later in the day, your brain is turned on during the day. You're running a fat metabolism during the day. But actually eating carbs is what calms the brain down and makes you lazy and lethargic because it brings your stress response down. The only thing that brings the stress response down faster than carbs is alcohol, but there's a metabolic backlash to that. So it's like, what's the point of having no carbs at dinner and then a couple of glasses of wine, right? Like, <laughs> what I learned was like, eat the carbs, bring the, bring the cortisol response down, and you don't have without the backlash. And what happens is it calms your brain down, which drives better sleep. If you want to become a diabetic quickly, just stop sleeping. That's the fastest way to become a diabetic. So what I've learned is you got to earn your carbs. So during the day, you're active, you're stressed, you're running off your energy, you're not eating carbs during the day, your muscle glycogen levels are going to get lower, and then you have the carbs at night, and now it's going to calm the stress response down. It's more likely to punish liver glycogen and muscle glycogen, not fat, 
and it's going to drive better sleep. So it's like a, it's a home run. It's a win-win. Uh, now I'll be super honest with you. Like, you know, with type one stuff, that's a whole different ball game. Right. So we're talking like you, you don't have a blood sugar issue. Uh, you're, you're, you're maybe, um, um, pre-diabetes or type two diabetes. These are very effective methods. So that's how I was able to come off my blood sugar meds. And now I do it every day. I eat an absurd amount of carbs at dinner to bring my stress response down, replenish my liver glycogen and just get to a better place. Like I am not carbophobic at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm only carbophobic at the wrong people are eating them at the wrong times. I, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not keto adverse. I'm not, I'm not intermittent fasting adverse. I'm not carb adverse. It's the reality of there's going to be a system for each individual that's going to fit them the best. Right. Right. And I learned this from a mentor of mine, Dr. JT, that like we all have our own individual desires and needs to function optimally. Yeah. Is, is there, so, so I want to, I want you to just come maybe help us wrap up with this, which is um, everyone seems to have, and me included, seems to have this, when I look at a piece of food or when I look at food or exercise, whatever, mainly food, I instantly go to a very binary way of looking at it, which is, yeah. right? Is this, is this good for me or is this not? And when I say good for me, good is really weird. It's like, should I be eating this or should I not? Like, should I be eating pizza yeah. or should I not? Uh, you know, is this going to put on weight or not? Am I going to get high cholesterol or not? It's a very binary thing. And so yeah. is there a way, like, what is, what's your advice on saying, hey, I'm looking at a, I'm, I'm looking at a, 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 you know, an omelet that I made, but having a slice of avocado with it, how do I look more robustly at what I'm putting in my body? and as opposed to just a binary on a decision on every piece of like every decision that I make. Yeah. First and foremost, you can't look at it in each food as like good or bad for me. Um, I just want people to get out of their head of like, Oh, it's going to make me fat. Or that's going to make me skinny. Like that is right. garbage. Like that does not matter. Right. And if people will just recognize the fact that, that what matters most in life, it, 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 those things are not dictated by how I look. Right. Yeah. So like if I'm going to put two pounds on the scale, I'm sorry, but my kids aren't going to care, right? If my abs are shredded or not, my kids aren't going to care. All they care about is what is my energy like when I'm with them, right? Right? How well can I play? How focused and how engaged am I? They do not care about what my body looks like. And what I've learned is people that are most important to us. It's, it's the engagement that matters, not how the body looks. So I want people to stop looking at food as like, oh, gain weight, lose weight. I want you to look at it and start documenting. I eat that meal. How am I going to feel in 30, 30 to 60 minutes from now? Am I going to have great energy or am I not? Right? Yeah. During the day, we want great energy. So what I've even found is if I eat the meals during the day that drive my energy, I can have the freaking pizza at night and not pay the price. Yeah. <laughs> I can have a Snickers bar uh, after dinner one night and metabolically not pay the price because I've set myself up to be okay with that stuff. So, you know, do I want to drive energy? Do I want to shut energy? I look at meals as performance meal, recovery meal. Ah, that's really so, good. Yeah. So, okay. So I'm sitting here. If I look at that cheeseburger, French fries and a Coke, that is not going to be a performance meal. Everybody <laughs> in an hour, I'm asleep. Yeah. Okay. But I have the omelet and the avocado. I know I eat that. That's a performance meal or I skip a meal. I know that's a performance meal. It's going to drive my energy. Right. So I just look at it like that. So, so like, typically like my days is, uh, and th again, this is what works best for me. Okay, is that I have a bulletproof coffee in the morning with collagen protein powder and fats. I, I found this place called uh, 2bketo.com. They have this creamer that is insane. It's all fat-based. It has the MCT oil, the ghee. It has like lion's mane, which drives brain performance. So I do that in the morning for breakfast. That's my performance meal. 
lunch, I'll do something type of meal. It's a smaller meal with no carbs. If I have too big of a meal or too many carbs, that performance meal becomes a, a shutdown recovery meal. And I get to dinner and dinner is always a big meal with a lot of carbs for me because I want to shut it all down, make myself lazy and lethargic, replenish my, my, my muscle glycogen, all that stuff. And then I'm good. That's what works best for me. And how do I know that? It's my Schmeck stays in check. I learned this from Dr. JT though. My sleep, my hunger, my mood, my energy, my cravings stay in check that way, no matter how much stress I'm under. You've always told me about the Schmeck, right? The, the sleep, yeah. the hunger. The, the mood. The mood, the energy, and the cravings. Cravings, yeah. Yeah. Um, so good. Um, I want to give everybody the one tip, which I probably use this. You don't even know this, but I probably use this three times a week now, maybe four times a week. A lot of times I forget to drink water and, yeah. and, uh, and I'll get, I'll feel like I've at least have enough awareness in my body now to feel dehydrated. And I, I remember once texting you saying, Hey Brad, like I've, I'm feeling dehydrated regardless of how much water I drink today. Like I still feel thirsty and dehydrated. And you said, Hey, you're just missing a bunch of minerals. Put these drops in. Yeah. And literally like that, it, it, it changes stuff for me so fast. I'd love for you to kind of talk about that quickly because I think that's a cool hack for people. Yeah. Um, hydration is more than just drinking water. Hydration is the ability to get the water inside the cells. And when you look at cells, there's extracellular volume of water and intracellular volume of water. As you drink water, extracellular volume goes up. And the body has a system that absorb it into the cell to use it. And the body wants to keep those in a balance, the extracellular volume and intracellular volume. It's really want to, wants to keep those in a balance. So for example, if you drink a bunch of water and you can't get it in the cell, we've all experienced this. We begin to pee like crazy, right? The body has to flush the extracellular volume out to try to keep that balance. And we hear that you can kill yourself by drinking too much water. You totally can. It's by continuing to flush the system, drink more water, drink more water. You can't get it in the cell. You flush, you flush, you flush. Eventually, the body will pull minerals out of the cell to get water out of the cell to keep that balance. And you will go into what's called a sodium-induced seizure, and you can die. I know people that have had this happen to them. They're like drinking distilled water, like two gallons a day, running 12 miles a day, avoiding salt like the plague, and they go into a sodium-induced seizure because they can't get water into the cells. So what the minerals do is you drink the water, the extracellular volume goes up. The minerals, especially sodium, will absorb water into the cell so the body can then use it. So the minerals actually feed the cell. So we like to use things like Celtic sea salt, Himalayan pink salt. Um, there's now things like liquid IV and, and noon. Like these things have the minerals in them that when you drink the water, they absorb into the cell. So you actually get the hydrating experience of the water. So if you're drinking water and you still don't have great energy, your brain's not working well, you're peeing all the time. The solution is honestly, just put a pinch of sea salt or Himalayan pink salt or concentrated minerals or liquid IV in your water to get the water into the cell so you're actually really hydrating and driving the benefit of the actual hydration. So good, man. It's so yeah. good. I, I, yeah, I do. This is, it's probably the one thing that I do religiously and I can yeah. tell the difference between not doing it and doing it, which is, which is, which is super fascinating. Um, Brad, Brad, one last thing for you. I know that you spent a lot of your time dialing in and making sure that entrepreneurs, uh, you know, people that work in, in uh, special forces, anybody that is a high achiever, you, like, you, you know them, you understand their DNA, and you spend a lot of time working with them. Uh, how, can, how can people get in touch with you? What is the best way for folks to learn more about what you're doing and how you can help them? 
Yeah, uh, two places. My website, braddavidson.com. Uh, that's where I have like all my coaches, my, my courses, my programs. I've really, since this whole um, COVID-19 thing, I've, I've really dug deep. Um, I have a really cool, a couple new programs coming out. My, my favorite one is called performancenutrition.live. It's all this high-level nutrition work. I figured out how to automate a bunch and make it very individualized and maintain a person's nutrition and supplementation needs to match their, their output requirements for like super cheap, like under hundred bucks a month. Include that includes the supplements I want them taking. So that's what I'm super excited about it. That should be up in the next week or two. And then my, my Instagram coach underscore Brad underscore Davidson. Every day I'm posting videos, infographics, uh, quotes, all on this topic of high performance. And I want people to be, I want people to be super clear. Like here's what's important to me and why I do what I do and what I want people to get from my work is this reality that as high achievers, we're doing this stuff oftentimes to give the people we love the most a better life. Uh, our families, our children, right? I mean, that's just a big driver for us or everyone have an impact on other people in the world. But what I learned through my process was I was exhausting myself at work and at the gym, trying to create a better life for the people I love the most. In my case, it's my children. And I would exhaust myself and I didn't understand how to take care of myself. So when I get home at night, I was under so much fatigue. I would ask, I just get my children on the couch, turn on a movie and fall asleep. Um, and since then I, I've kind of re- made the reality of, um, what matters most is this. And it's a simple question you can ask yourself when I get home at night, are the people I love the most, are they getting the best of me or the rest of me? The only way they get the best of you is to learn how to manage your fatigue and your energy. And you do that with nutrition and fitness. I don't give a rat's, you know what, how you look anymore. Nobody comes to me to look great anymore because I will chase them away. You come to me because you want to optimize your energy, your overall performance, and you want to have something left over for those you love the most. And so my system, if that's what you want, that's what I'm now giving people is is I will match a lifestyle to your performance, no matter how crazy it is to make sure that when you get home to those you love the most, you have something left over to give them and to engage with them because that's where great lives happen. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Um, for, for those that have been, I, mine, I will make sure we talked a lot about tactical stuff today. I will make sure everything is linked in the show notes because there's no way you uh, you're listening and you kept up with all of this. I'll put everything in the show notes and a way to get a hold of Brad. But Brad, you don't. I know you know this, but over the years, you you kept me alive. You've gotten me to where I am. You've helped me with my health, my family, my fitness, my performance, and uh, I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for being on and giving so much value today. Hey, welcome. Hey, wait till uh, we start playing with the Katsu bands. That's, okay. that's my, that's my new, that's my new tactical strategy for you that I think is going to be super valuable for people out in the world is like these 20 minute workouts with Katsu bands. It's a game changer. Can't There's wait, always man. something more, my friend. There's always something more. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Brad. You're welcome, buddy. Hey, Sharon, I have a cool gift for you. I took some of my best ideas from the last 20 years and created a five-day MBA. It's quick and action-packed that you can listen to on the go, just like this podcast. And I want to give it to you for free, just as a thank you for listening to the show. No fluff, no gimmicks, just pure actionable ideas for you to use instantly. You can grab it right now at businessschoolshow.com. That's businessschoolshow.com. Dot com.